Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, I hang out with Diogo Nogueira, a prolific designer, writer, and artist in the RPG industry. A lot has happened since we last talked, including his winning an Emmy for the writing of The Halls of the Blood King. We talk about that adventure, talk about writing adventures, and we discuss his newest project, Cosmosaurs. Cosmosaurs. I'll never pronounce that right. It is an RPG about dinosaurs who protect the galaxy from evil forces. Sounds like it ticks all the boxes needed for having a good time. Sisters and brothers, it's time to grab our blaster pistols, jump into our spaceships, and get rambling. Hello, Diogo. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. It's uh, it's getting cold here, but I think uh, we're hitting the cold season, and I think it's probably getting warm where you're at, or warmer. Oh, yeah. It's it's getting too warm for my taste already. It's It took a while to, to get warm because it's really started getting warm right after winter, like in August, already starting to get really warm here, but we got into the end of November, and it was kind of chilly a few weeks ago, but now it's it's like I'm having a hard time drawing because it starts sweating and, and, and dripping on the on the paper. It's terrible. It is bad. Yeah, we're we're dealing with freezing weather now. I'm hitting we're hitting I guess zero C for, for you. But uh and occasional flurries. We haven't really got any snow yet, but that's that's eventually coming. But so anyway, uh we're here to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. And um, and one of the things I've been wanting to have you on to talk about is the Halls of the Blood King. So I think you have not only, you have two success stories. So not only did you win an any for it, uh, but you also survived a very nice review by the 10-foot pole. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a milestone for sure, yeah. You, you, you came out pretty much unscathed i would say about as unscathed as anybody's ever come so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a, a previous adventure i wrote for a savage words uh game uh for glory and gold and it was it was more like kind of a railroadie but like reflexibility because it was like my adventure took it and and the gm would modify but but uh brian lynch didn't like it at all and and tore it apart but yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's different stuff you know and i was quite surprised when he liked the the house of the blood king yeah i'll tell you sometimes you know uh okay it, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there i mean you know that and i know that. i don't yeah. know everybody knows that it's like you you put something out there your heart's on your sleeve it's you know and you know there's no we didn't go to school for, for writing adventures or writing supplements. Yeah. And you're just kind of saying, well, I think this kind of works. And you throw it out there and you say, yeah. well, it resonates with me. But then you say, will anybody else really care about it? I don't know. Yeah. We, we, we're always learning, right? I mean, I know from when I started with sharp sword and sensor spells. And from now, I've, I've learned a lot. And I'm sure I, I would do a much better job trying to, to make the stuff I made before. So. Uh, if it, if it's got to, uh, torn down and it was bad, but at least I learned something and I, I, I managed to do something better afterwards. So, yeah, and I think that's the kind of secret to success in life is just is just uh, putting things out and improving and learning. Yeah, because it's uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. You, so you can't polish a gem without friction, right? Yeah. Ooh, I like that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I find it's um, it, it is just an odd thing. It is an odd thing. Um, so you so so you wrote this adventure, the Halls of the Blood King, uh, for Old School Essentials. Yes. So did you approach them? Or did they uh, did they approach you? Well, I I am friends with uh, Matt Kelly from Exalted Funeral, and they partnered with Necrotic Genome to make the, the uh, okay. Old Square Essentials line, you know. And about midway through the Kickstarter, the Advanced uh, Books, they, they realized that they were like hitting a lot of stretch goals, and they, they wanted to make another adventure. 
and Gavin was talking to, to Matt about who we are going to invite to do this. And Matt suggested my name. And, and Gavin was, was cool with it. I thought it was a good idea. So they talked to me and I was super stoked, right? Write a game for Old School Essentials and, and work with Exalted Funeral again. And of course, I said, well, yes. And I sent them like uh, three pitches, like three different adventures. And they chose the, the House of the Blood King because it was one that was standing most apart from the stuff they had already made. Because uh, Old School Essentials had more fairy tale like adventures, more vanilla, more classic. Uh, even even if it's a little weird fantasy, but it was really rooted in the, in the early spirits of their hobby and stuff. And House of the Blood King was 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 weird, was poopy, was kind of alien, kind of science fantasy, and with horror. So they they wanted me to make that so it would stand apart from the other stuff they had. So I went with it and then. Wrote the first draft, sent to them. We talked a little bit. We play tested. I sent it to some friends in Brazil. They play tested with their groups. They sent me feedback, and, and we played a little bit more and modified the adventure as, as we we played it. Until we are we are happy enough with it, and and, and Gavin helped me a lot with editing. He has really a, a good eye for for setting up stuff. It was so, a great experience. So how much changed from the beginning to the, the final product? I mean, were there major changes that you made along the way, or was it mainly polishing? It's mainly polishing and, and maybe the wording of the stuff I was trying to, to, to pass through the text, you know, like the, because I'm, I'm not a nat native English speaker, so maybe I sometimes the way I construct uh, the text, it's... it's kind of weird, maybe I can choose some better words here and there. And there was like a few encounters I, I tinkered about because of the, the way it was being played. And some, some peps were too easy. And so we tried to, to make every, every option interesting. So maybe you go through here, it's, it's shorter to get where you are, but it, the, 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 the challenges would be, uh, would be much difficult or maybe here takes longer, but the, the challenger, there's less challenges for you to, to face and just tinkering with the, with the many options you could take on that adventure, you know. But the overall theme and, and, the, and the, the encounters really kept uh, almost intact from the beginning, but uh, we, we changed how they interact a little bit with one another and how we made some, some of the hidden uh, story parts that in the, in the encounters uh, more easily accessible for, for players to, to interact with. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, you're right because, and I'm sure with all the play testing is, is, you know, you can have in mind what you think players are going to do, but you never know what players are going to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we think something's very clear. Like, okay. They, they will get this and, 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 and we'll have fun with it. And they just, pass through it and ignore it. Okay, so how can I make this interesting for them to, to, to check it out, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because, you know, mainly I, I DM, uh, but a lot of times I've, the last couple of years I've gotten to play more and I, I do find that there's certain aspects of role-playing games that I do like really, really well. And there's other aspects that I don't do very well. And I just yeah. pretty much give up so I think the idea is, you know, like puzzles and challenges, I, I, I will fail, you know, oh, I yeah. will fail every time. I, I don't even want to try. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a an anagram, here's a, you know, some letters and try and rearrange it to come up with, you know, the lever. It's like, forget that. I, I'm yeah, just... there, there's, there's a real balance. Like you have to make something that's kind of challenge, but not to challenge and no one, no, none of your players will get it. Like, the bigger yeah. the group, the easier, because each player has some, some right. idea they can combine. Because I find when I'm playing, there's other like very smart young people who pick up on that, and it's like click, 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 and I'm like, which I'm thankful for, but you're right. You, you got to, we all have the different things that are our strong points, oh, and yeah. you want to make things challenging, 
but you don't want to make everything one way or everything another. And, and I yeah. think what's interesting is, you know, when you have the option of what you put in there is I'm sure there is a certain amount of linearity to it. I've not read the adventure, but, but the idea is you can approach from different ways. And that's oh, yeah. what's, you know, I think is, is a, a great way of approaching design rather than you have to follow, you have to solve this riddle in order to, to finish. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of of making games. For me, should be like toys, like Lego. You, you get a playset. It, it has a theme. You have the pieces that work together, but you don't have to always set it up like it's in the box. You can you can mix it up. You can do your own thing. So for me, even in, a, in an adventure, that's like it's a something closed, but it, it's a location. There are some NPCs. There are some situations, and they want different things. And you, you just play to see whatever happens. And there is no really set plot for players to fall, like a beginning, a middle, and an end. I just want them to... I want the story to be something that is created through play and not through play to, to see the story, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And that's where I think a lot of times, you know, if you're playing, let's say, a traditional D&D or Pathfinder, you know, adventure path, it is very important that you follow a certain, yeah, you know, uh, certain points, certain guides for you, and you can't deviate too much. But when you're dealing with a a um, adventure like this, where it's just like it's an experience, you can do whatever you want. It's it doesn't have you're not dependent upon a particular outcome for them to do the next to yeah. do part two, which is coming out next year or whatever. It's just like whatever happens happens. You know, whatever yeah. craziness shenanigans happens, that's what happens. You know, and it's it can be celebrated as it is without having to worry about as a GM saying, well, how do I get the players back on the path? Yeah, that's that's what that's what gets me frustrated with these adventures. That you have a story to tell because if I'm a player and I deviate the from the from the plot, the GM will do anything they can to put me back on the plot. So they they start to nullify all my choice. So I get frustrated. And if I am the GM and I want to tell the story, if this the players start to Going somewhere else, I can I can get frustrated because I, I don't get to play the story that I wanted to to play. So I don't know. I I, I know there's people really love this kind of stuff because they, they they want to see the epic epic story being told and they have fun with it. But for me, it doesn't work. So I try to to do something different. I think ideally, though, I don't know how well I do it. It seems like if you can play a game where it's just episodic. And then as the players go through the world, they're actually setting up the, their own problems and their own yeah. motivations. And then as they keep playing, all of a sudden, now you've got some enemies, you've got some friends. And yeah. it's like, okay, now I can start weaving these NPCs that they've, they've actually have interacted with now into this rather than just trying to yeah. throw in random people. Yeah, it's, it's more organic, even more more kind of more realistic for these things to, to grow on their own, you know, and, and the, the campaign will build itself from, from the ground up doing this. You have a, like a big bad eventually, and, and you will just won't force it on the players. They, they will do it themselves. They, they can get in trouble <laughs> by themselves pretty well. Yeah, it's, uh, that is so true. So you, so the, uh, so what's the premise? So I, I first heard about this listening, uh, the halls of the bug King, uh, through listening, uh, to the podcast fear of the black dragon. And yeah. then at the end, they, and I wasn't paying attention until at the end, they said, Oh, <laughs> Diogo, it's like, Oh my goodness. You made fear of the black dragon. So you, you, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's amazing. So if you would kind of, what's the general plot of, the uh of the halls of the blood king okay the general plot is that there is this this vampire that claims to be the the first vampire it, it, the adventure doesn't make it clear that it, he really is like the first vampire or not but he's a powerful vampire he claims to be the first one he travels to the plains with this uh weird living undead mansion that's kind of a vampire too but it's like a building and he visits planes to collect what he calls like the blood tax from the vampires of that world. Uh, since he's the first one, he created everything and he says, okay, I'm going to your, your planet 
and you have to provide me with blood because I'm the, the, the blood king. And he goes to the, to the planet uh, that the players are in and start collecting the blood tax. So uh, there's hooks about uh, people vanishing, people being taken to this, this place and maybe you want to save, maybe it's a loved one, or maybe you just hear this legend of this, this castle, this mansion of this intergalactic vampire appears. And, and not only he has, he takes the blood tax, but the vampires from many worlds trying to get favors from, from, from the blood king, uh, give them treasures, valuable items, magic items. So maybe you want to go there to, to loot this place, right? And, and there's, there's a lot of other hooks uh, for you to get there. But the, the point is, there is this, this vampire that's very powerful that claims to be the first. He comes to your world to, to, to claim the, the blood tax and the other vampires go there to, to go to the courts and interact with him. And, and, and you go there to pursue your own agenda that can be variety as saving people, uh, rescuing uh, a vampire hunter that has been lost there for years, getting treasure, or even uh, you may be tricked by the, the vampire, the blood princess, which is not... Uh, the Blood King's daughter, but some some woman that got turned into a vampire and now hates the Blood King, and she's trying to trick uh, adventurers to go there and and save her, as she's like a princess or something, and they they kill the vampire so she will take his place. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the so you wrote this for uh, for OSE. I mean, wh- what sort of things were um so if you're so you've written for different systems obviously you've, you've created your own systems but when for writing for ose um old school essentials what sort of things did you have in mind while designing this is there anything in particular that you had to think about because obviously it's different than say fifth edition D, which is also different than you know uh swords and wizardry i mean it's a different, you know, based on the BX uh, chassis. Was there any special considerations you had to, to do while doing this? Uh, I don't think, not particularly, because one of the things I like about writing for OSR games is there isn't really a, a concern about everything needing to be balancing and, and appropriate for, for the character level and really like the mechanics. I'm really more performed. I, I had to calculate the experience for each monster I, I created because there's like a formula for that. But I, I have a lot of freedom to do what I wanted to do. So I, I thought about what I wanted in, in, the, in the location, how I wanted it to be like a place set for players to interact with it. So even the castle is, is, is a creature. So you can interact with it in ways you wouldn't interact with other uh, locations like a, a dungeon wall a dungeon is just a dungeon but but the, the blood king's mansion it's like a living thing and i could set it the way i want it and i could set render encounters to do things the way, uh, the way i want to do they are not only creatures you face but events that can happen and, and things like this you know osc osc has like a really good way of handling adventures and the way they present it. Uh, so it's easy to reference, easy to run. And they always try to, to put hidden things in adventures to, to keep it mysteriously. So I try to follow their, their, their uh, methodology for that. But like mechanically, it didn't have anything that I really needed to oh, pay attention in and be really focused on trying to emulate something because it's it's almost like a lingua franca, like a, something everybody understands by now. It's it's really intuitive for me. Maybe if I wasn't so familiar with old school RPGs, I would have to think more about it. But I don't know. It's it's something that I I've been playing a lot for maybe about ten years, right? Like the OSR started by 2010, right. 2011, and then I started playing Labyrinth Lord around that. So. Yeah, I think for me, I'm not super familiar with, uh, you know, with the 
I mean, I'm, I'm basically familiar with a lot of it, but I don't play a lot of uh, OSR style games. But I think it's pretty obvious for some of the stuff that I want to do. Uh, OSE is probably one of the most fruitful um, uh, properties to actually write material for. Yeah, and I, and I think as opposed, I think you know, Morkboard probably or how you pronounce it is is not going away. But I don't think uh, I think its vitality long term is not going to be there. Where I think OSE has definitely hit the right spot as far as clear mechanics, clear presentation, oh, yeah. and providing a framework that people can write adventures around and easily convert. And, and it has been there for a long time, right? Because even it wasn't OSC, it's, it's the GBX and Labyrinth board. It's, it's been there, and it's, it's going to stay there for a long while. Yeah, well, even uh, so Venture Conquer King kind of uses that same sort of chassis. And even uh, Kevin Crawford's uh, Stars Without Numbers, now Worlds Without Number, is utilizing both the OSE style or the BX style for stats, yeah. but it's also but it's using like travel rules for skills. So it's yeah. kind of merged the two in a way. I, I think it's kind of neat. But uh, but anyway, yeah, it I is. think it, yeah, it's going to be around a while. I don't see this this being a, a just a yeah. You know, so it's like, well, I think if, if a person, especially in the RPG zinc, well, in the zinc community, I think it's a much more vital uh, property to be making material for. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I love Mock Board too. And, and, and I have written some for it that it hasn't been released yet, but uh, the feeling is completely different. If I would make like House of the Blood King for, for uh, Mock Board, it would, it would have to be a much darker and much more uh, cruel, I guess. And, 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 and so, so have you tempted to do that? No, right. I haven't. But now I'm thinking about it. And <laughs> maybe I should do something like, like you know, maybe the the House of the Deathless King or something like that to work Morgan try to do something like in the spirit, but seeing how the help that would be of Morgan. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting, but it would be really, really macabre, I think. <laughs> so, you know, looking through, because I'm, I've decided to try a few things and I, you know, you know, looking back with the, the bestiary, it's like, um, it, it's the hit dice for the creatures are definitely lower. The hit, hit point expectations for both characters and for, for uh, monsters is much lower for BX than it is for later editions. Yeah. And so it's like, and it, this kind of came to mind from uh, Logar the Barbarian off, uh, he's got a podcast called um, uh, Wobblies and Wizards. And he, what he did is he took an ogre and looked at the ogre from different editions and kind of mm -hmm. looked at that as being, okay, how do you compare power levels between them? And, I, and that was kind of interesting. So I flipped it open. And it's like, you know, an ogre is a, in the BX or OSC, I think he's like a four hit die creature. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, that's interesting. So it's it's uh, it's a different. It's I think in some ways characters have less hit points, monsters have less hit points. You yeah. can't be just be making a things. lot less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and they had like a cap, right? I mean, the fighter uh, after ninth level, they would just get one or two hit points per level, and and, and nowadays they can have more than a hundred hit points, and and for for anyone to have a hundred hit points on on BX. I, I don't even think that's that's possible, you know. Right. It's it's like, yeah, especially statistically if you're rolling, you know. If the, yeah, yeah. It's like you you see like really high level characters have like forty hit points or something, and and for that's like like a fifth level character maybe in some of the newer editions can have fifty hit points. Yeah, and then I think that just definitely changes the tenor of everything. So it's like you know, with me, it's like. You know, I definitely need to go back and review the, the bestiary without just kind of throwing things out there because it's like, you know, you you gotta you gotta kind of still follow the sensibilities of the system without even though you're right, you can you don't have to necessarily worry about balance, but you also don't want to necessarily be putting out, you know, uh you know, ten hit die ogres either. So it's just uh Oh yeah. <laughs> and as like you make it really clear that it's not like a regular ogre. Yeah, it's exactly. Like the, the... <laughs> The toughest ogre that <laughs> has ever been, you know. Maybe. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, you're right about the sensibilities. It's like, you know, we, I think it over the, the over, especially probably, let's say, maybe third edition on the idea is that, you know, everything being balanced. And I remember I was running a um, fifth edition game. I was running the uh, Vandelver. And then in this, in this castle had a lich in a room. And, I mean, an honest to goodness lich, and, but he was not an antagonist. But these people, but one of the players w- didn't know it was a lich in there. And even though the guy did nothing, basically to, to mm-hmm. say that he was a problem and wanted us to go away, he decided just to go ahead and kick the door open and, and kill what was ever in there. And we found Ooh. it was a lich. He's like, well, what are you doing? And it's like, well, it's in there, but why were you doing this? It's like, and I think that's yeah. the, the sensibility. You kick open doors, you kill stuff, you take the treasure. Where and the, and the players system- question us. The, the players question, why are you putting something we can't beat? <laughs> yeah. they, they, get, they get nervous. They, they get pissed with, with me. No, you, you can't put this because I can't kill it. So don't kill it. <laughs> Run away. Talk to it. I don't know. There's they more get, than one option. Get, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They get really work it out work it up because of, because they read the book and the book says okay the monster has to be uh from your challenge level to maximum three or something and, and some of the players take that too hard and they, they don't think you can put something that's it's not balanced <laughs> in there and i think it's fair as long as you you know as long as there's like uh you're not tricking the players like there's warnings you know yeah you know yeah, it's like okay course, yeah. you know there's nothing in this adventure that would lead you to want to do this thing the person's not attacking you the person's wanting you to go away or if it's a dragon maybe you you give you give hints you know there's rumors of a dragon okay well maybe i I love using npcs for for like showing how cruel and 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 badass that the monster can be so you you kill the npc in front of them and they see it's this monster is like it's going to kill them if they face them so if they choose to continue face the monster so that's that's their choice right and maybe they hear terrible things about it they see corpses near it yeah. they see marks of, of its passing nearby and they see it killing someone that's that's not like a, another adventure but it's an NPC killing it with ease and they still want to face it okay it's, it's their <laughs> choice right yeah you know, I think the beauty is, you know, probably even them facing it, there's there's a rare chance that they could win. There's always that chance. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But but more likely than not, they won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. So so how did you approach so when you so you had this idea, you had this adventure. So how do you how did you go about designing this thing? I mean, did you work from the beginning yeah. to the end you start with the end work backwards did you have mobile points how'd you how'd you conceive and then work it together to be a a an adventure i i started with, with like a rough uh drafts of the map you know i look it up uh menses and like uh small castles from, from like nobility and something and i started seeing the maps and started uh drawing something for myself and trying to figure out where I could put stuff like, okay, here's like the court room, what I will put here and there. And there's, there's a few things that, that, that I have kept in mind from reading, reading 10 football uh, blog. I learned a lot about reading the, the, the reviews, you know, of what not and, to do, and, <laughs> well, what to do and not to do. Like yeah. it, it really, gets to the point and then saying why this is good and why this is bad so I, I i try to learn whatever i can so i remember that i remember uh kyle chenier the, the author of uh blood in the chocolates once talking about uh you should make the location of an adventure like a play set like you know when you bought the master of the universe uh castle grayscope that has you, you could play with it. There is like something you can shoot, something you can open. So I tried to think, okay, I want to make this mansion a place that they, they can interact with. They can play. Maybe maybe the walls are, are, are alive so they can, they can cut the walls and there will be blood. The door will be the, 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 the house's 
mouths and, and the stairs can move like like a escalator or something. So I try to incorporate everything I learned, you know. And one thing that I do that start with a simple concept. Okay, so this will be an adventure about a vampire in his mans in the hill. But okay, the vampire isn't any vampire. He claims to be the first vampire. Uh, the dimension the dimension travels through space, and there's a court of alien vampires. So the vampires are all those uh, white people with dark hair and really sexy stuff. So there is a vampire that can be a cockroach. There is a vampire that's an alien. There's a vampire that's a spider. There is a vampire that isn't a vampire. It's like a wizard disguised as a vampire because he's studying vampires. And I always try to pack, to take something that's mundane and say, how can I, I make this interesting? How can I make this weird? And so I, I started adding layers and layers of elements that will make this different and, and unique in some way and try to interact with other elements in the, in the adventure. So, so I, I think about the decor, I think about the, the vampire, the blood king. So, okay, so if there is a blood king, maybe there is a princess. But how does this princess difference? It, it isn't her, it isn't his daughter, it's someone else. Act, she actually hates him, but doesn't say, you know. And, and I started trying to, to, to make connections and make these connections uh, stable and then prone to, to trouble that can be explored in that event. So you made three pitches. Yes. So this is to me the scary part. So the pitches that you made, when you made the pitch, you did not have the halls of the blood King uh, figured out at that point. Right. No, you just no, have a, no. you just had a basic idea. Yeah. So you just said, Hey, I got this basic idea. Was there a moment of fear? Because what you did is you just, you, you had something that was, you know, a, a very conceptual level. Now you had to actually make yeah. it work on a, on a high level rather than having it done first. Was there a lot of pressure? I mean, how'd you feel going through? Are we feeling fairly confident? I mean. Oh yeah, no, I didn't have that much confidence because as you know, I said, I didn't, I, I didn't believe a lot in my adventure writing. I I wrote a lot of a lot of systems and maybe two kits to to use with these systems with these settings for you to create your own stuff because as a as a indie author I know that my, I can support my games the way big companies can support the games and hire a lot of people to produce a lot of material for their own games so I always try to make my games almost self sufficient so you, you get the system. It's really used to use, really used to adapt stuff to it. And you get also a toolkit for you to create your own settings, your own adventures. And I didn't really make main adventures. So I was kind of doing this uh, really fresh. You know? I hadn't had many experience doing adventures. I, I did some for some zines, but they were, they were more like adventure frameworks instead of like full-fledged. Uh, almost 40 page, 60 page adventure. So for House of the Blood King, I started uh, using the stuff I liked as a model and seeing the stuff they did and trying to to make make something good with it. And I was really nervous, but the feedback I was getting was really good and people were really exciting. And and doing some uh, constructive criticism when something wasn't working, they told me and I could work it up and they said it was much better. So I had some confidence, but I, I would never imagine it would be this well received. I don't think you could have done much better, Diogo. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like walking I don't into- I, 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 I'll try. I'll try to always <laughs> make something better. Right. I mean, as far as, you know, winning, you know, so your first time, of, you know, I don't say your first time at bat, but one of your first time at bat for doing a major piece, I mean, you know, you, you, you get a, uh, you get a review on uh, Fear of the Black Dragon, you get an any, and then you, you survive miraculously the 10 foot pole. You, you didn't take any bumps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he probably it didn't give you quite a hundred percent, but it was like I I don't know. I think you're probably one of the the rare ones that have went through this without any lumps. 
So uh, <laughs> it's like that's yeah, an accomplishment. Maybe maybe the next I can get one hundred. I don't know. I, I I would try. I'm making an adventure now for for a zag, like a sword and sorcery game, and we have some really good ideas. And I'm bouncing with the 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 creator. And there's something something good. I think it's it's coming. And we'll see. And I have the I have more ideas for like OSR, OSC stuff. Yeah, and I think the idea, though, still to me, it's commendable. Is you know, you know, if you if you have the luxury to work out an idea on your own, you have time and you don't really have pressure. And then when you feel it's right, then you can say, "Hey, I'm going to do this thing." But to commit to doing a thing without having have it figured out, that adds. Oh, but that's much better because because <laughs> really? you are forced to, to do it. Because if you have all the time in the world and and you can write anything you want, you won't write it because it's. You're always thinking of something better and 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 pushing forward. I love when they say, "Okay, you you have to write me a ten thousand word thing by the end of that month." I I I, I will make it because I have to to you know fulfill the, the the promise that I made. Because I'm if I'm free to make whatever I want, sometimes it takes too much, and I write more than I should, and then I have to trim it down, and and, and it's terrible. So if, if I have a deadline, it's much better for me. The that pressure is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was pretty commendable. So yeah, that's uh, great. So you also have something upcoming called the uh, Cosmosaurs. Cosmosaurs? Cosmosaurs. Yeah, the Cosmosaurs RPG. It's an RPG about dinosaurs who protect the galaxy from evil forces. Yeah. It's it's inspired by that that eighties cartoon dinosaurs, you know, and, and a lot of other stuff that uh, that I really, I'm my work is really inspired by pop culture, you know, like even House of the Blood King has a little bit of Castlevania there, and some some anime and some other stuff that I like, and and Cosmosaur is not different. It's inspired by eighties cartoons and 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 comics. You know, it's it's a game. It's an action-packed game. It's really minimalist system with just two stats. And wait a minute. No. Sorry, my my son here. <laughs> After the push, the push. <laughs> That's fine. And. It's action packed, it's minimalistic system, uh, just two stats, Cosmo and Sour. So one is the stuff you, you know about being a, a space ranger, maybe you like a mechanic or a pilot or uh, a marine or something. And the, the, the uh, Sour stats, like your physical stats, it's oh, which species of dinosaur you are. Maybe you are T-Rex, maybe you are uh, Triceratops, and you get adventures from, from each of them. And it's it's about defending the gangs of evil threats, uh, undead pirates, uh, undead space pirates, uh, slam, the conglomerates of slime bankers that it's dominating the, the economy <laughs> and exploiting people throughout the galaxy. And there is the like the the brocoloids, which are sentient uh, vegetables that they are disgusted by the the way other species eat vegetables and they want to liberate all vegetables from this vegetable eating tyrannical people that just eat stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so they're wanting people to eat meat rather than, than vegetables. Yeah, yeah. It's for them it's it's a lot less cruel than because because the vegetables can't run. Like they're they are planted on the soil and they, they can't run, they can't bite you. They are defenseless and the, the animals at least can try to bite you or something. So it's a lot more cool to to eat the at least for them for the for, for the buckloid. So do you have uh, so is, so you're playing basically uh, space rangers, and I'm, yes. I'm, I'm 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 assuming all the you know the adventures or whatever would be episodic, so it's just it's self-contained. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the you, whatever you, you could probably make. Yeah, just like the cartoon, yeah, it's episodic, like mission based. You can always have like the, the, the big bad guys that's like the, the main arc of the, the game. But the idea is that you, you can play episodically and you don't have to really commit to it for like a long time if you don't want to. 
and just play here and there. And, and it's really useful for, for like a family game too. So I, I'm assuming, uh, so you have different types of dinosaurs. I'm assuming some, like I'm assuming some fly can be a pterodactyl. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a table for you to roll. Which species of dinosaurs do, are you? And you can roll on the table and and choose which role on the on the on the space rangers on the cosmosaur force are you from and you, you can choose the role or you can roll on the table you know and there's there's a lot of, a lot of stuff a lot of uh, i like to use a lot of tables to generate stuff so there's tables for you to generate your characters if you want it can be completely made without rolling but there's tables for you to to get inspired by and even enemies and what are they doing what do they want and adventures and all that. As I said, I since I, I know I won't be able to give the support like a big company, the game will have full uh, a full toolkit for you to generate all sorts of stuff, locations, uh, enemies, plots, uh, adventure plots, missions, and, and this kind of stuff. So, what would be like a couple, say, typical missions that you would that you would do as uh, your players would go through? Oh, maybe you, you have to rescue a planet, uh, figure out how to maybe destroy a meteor that's going to hit a planet, or maybe the, the slime lords, bankers, are raising the, the interest uh, for a planet that has suffered a disaster, and you have to figure out how to help them survive this, and, or, or don't pay the bankers, or, or, or you know... There's a lot of possibilities. I, let me show like uh, one of the generators here. You can like the plots. Uh, the table locations, antagonists, uh, objectives. Maybe you like attack an evil monster. Maybe the monster is attacking the, the, the a planet or recover a relic because there is like space sorceress. And a uh, space sorcerer found something, you have to take it back. It's, it's really open-ended, you know. Like rangers, they can be rescued uh, a dynamic ship that got lost from, from the space map. It was traveling like a, a lot of people and then got lost. And, it, and you, maybe you find out that that planet from Mothership, you can put it there and, and, and see how, how that happens, you know. So, is there always a um, an intelligent antagonist behind the uh, behind the oh, troll? No. There can be something like, uh, as as I said, like a meteor is going to hit this planet, and they don't have the technology to to explode it or something. So, are you going to intervene with that, save the people, or maybe put the the, the meteor somewhere else? Okay. Or, so you, you just have to survive, like your 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 ship crashing on the planet, and the planet it's entering this 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 phase on your the rotation that's going to freeze and you die there if you don't find a way to get out of there. So that's gonna be an adventure too, right? So you you could just do it like that, or if you want to, you could still just do it like the big bad guy is the one behind all this, and at the oh, end yeah. you're like, oh, they sabotaged my ship. Oh, they're the one that sent the asteroid, and then you can have yeah, the final yeah. conflict of taking out the the slimy corporation. There is there is like a generator for like generating all kinds of plots, and then there is when we talk about the enemies, there is small generators for you to generate stuff specifically for this this faction. Like the there's like the robot empire, uh, which is like a sentient robots that like to dominate the galaxy and think they're. They ultimate life form because they are oh, everything else is flawed. So maybe they are trying to steal a high capacitor processor uh, created by a scientist in an isolated world and use it to further their gain. So maybe you have to foil the, this this plot of them. And, you know, you have generators for like the void source, which is like the the evil copies of the Cosmosphere. So they're they're like a, a rival organization that was created by a villain to to destroy the Cosmosphere. So they they infiltrate the organization, they corrupt the data. So maybe you have to stop someone inside the, your 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 force from deleting all the information you have about 
these or that. How long have you been working on this? Uh, I think I wrote it uh, a year, a year and a half. And I played that some little bits and started to uh, talking with, with the illustrator and the, the designer and exchanging ideas and developing this for like a year and a half. And so this is going to be going to Kickstarter next month through is it uh, through um uh gallant night games is that correct yes we are probably going to do like a, a joint kickstarter to to kickstart this and a supplement for dark streets and darker secrets that i wrote called war of the magi which is like a setting book for you to play with uh real sorcerers and there is like an upcoming war in the supernatural world so well, it sounds like you have a lot of uh, things going on that are in development. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, I lose track of everything that I'm doing, so I have to have a, a to-do list to not get lost. Well, yeah, especially <laughs> when, when, when you've got a life outside of even game design that you need to take oh, care yeah. of with <laughs> family yeah. and such. And, yeah, day job, family, friends, and, and I'm trying to be more social, too, because... I was I, I I'm an introvert, but I I miss, I miss people now. You know the the pandemic. We have been uh, inside our homes for more than a year, and now things are starting to get better here because uh, the vaccination has advanced quite a lot. And I, I miss seeing my friends. I miss seeing people. I miss I mean playing games with people on the actual table. You know, and I'm trying to to be. Uh, more social now too <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely been hard i think we've kind of opened up more here in the u.s but um i don't know it's just we're all kind of in this unknown realm right now and i know our gaming mainly partly because of covid then lately because of uh circumstances we've just been doing online i think that's probably where we're going to be for a while yeah i mean now now brazilians can enter in the united states too so I have hope. I maybe I can go to Gen Con next year. Let's see. Any uh, <laughs> thoughts of going to Game Hole Con? Well, I I only can afford like one trip per year, so I, I I usually try to go the biggest one I can to see most people I can see. So that's probably Gen Con. But I I have plans on at least trying to go to Gary Con someday. At least you know. And maybe there's like a really good friend of mine, uh, Jim Miller from Great Hits from Arizona. And he always teases me that maybe one day they can do like a Kickstarter and, and, and pay me to go to, to, to Great, Great Hit. And that would be like amazing like to be able to visit. Because I never went to the other side, to the, to the West Coast, right, of the United States. I don't have been to New York and, and, and Indiana and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think Indiana is, is definitely very indicative of, of all the Midwest. I don't want to uh, too oh, much, yeah. uh, um, you know, stereotype because I live, I live three, three hours uh, west of Indianapolis or maybe four, three and a half. But yeah, it's, it's pretty much it. Right. The, but the, when you start going to the Southwest, it's, it's a completely different, Oh yeah, you know, but it's also far away. Too. No, if I could, I would. I would definitely go to the game Hokum. I always see a lot of cool people, a lot of cool games being played there. It's like a, it's it's smaller, but it's really welcoming, and there's really all the people that I love always go there and are always playing games there. Always here, uh, the guys from from the gaming MBS uh, podcast talking about the things they're going to do there. The DCC crowd always goes there and, and for me this is the DCC family it's almost like a second family to me they they're really important so I, if i could i really would like to go to game hokon too yeah and i'm also i'm like to go to uh north texas con uh maybe in a couple of years i might try that but uh, it's even smaller yet but yeah. uh, we'll see but i will say that with game hokon it was a great experience the only thing was the the masks made it difficult to hear. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, I can understand that. But it's, I mean, it's kind of necessary, at least for now, right? It is. I don't, I, you know, everybody has to make their own decisions. It's just like, for me, Game Hole Con is only, a, it's only a three-hour drive. Um, yeah. So it's not a big deal, you know, but it's, to me, the, the meeting of the people was much, I enjoyed the gaming, but I enjoyed the, the people meeting up much oh, yeah. more. So it's yeah. just... Uh, yeah, for me, it's the same, like going to Gen Con and seeing all these people that I saw the first time I went there and meeting new people and, 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 and meeting new creators. And the last time I went there, uh, a couple of other creators, we, we set up like an exchange. So I would give my games to them and they would give their games to me. And then that's connecting with, with other, other creative people. It's, it's really one of my favorite things to do, so. I hope we can do that again. So you have a, there's maybe not percentage wise, but at least it just appeared that Brazil has a large uh, game um, RPG community, but maybe are there conventions that are done in Brazil? Yeah, we have, we, we have one, we, have, we used to have two. One was called uh, World RPG Fest. It was in Curitiba, which is like a city in the South. It's kind of a cold, and but but every year since I started going like in 2013 or something, and every year it got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and then COVID hit and it it's killed it right. It's it's dead. There's no more uh, World RPG Fest at least for now, and they had like a new event. Uh, they called uh, Diversion Offline, which be which would be like fun offline fun for like tabletop games. It started here in my city in Rio de Janeiro, but they made an edition in Sao Paulo, which is like a bigger city. And it was so much more successful and they ended here that we don't have this convention in my city anymore, only in Sao Paulo. But COVID last year, it got suspended and they say they will do it again next year. It's like our, our bigger one. But it's it's our big one's like a small one for 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 the US. It's probably in like three days. There are probably five thousand people or something. You know, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. But it's it's the first time I went to Gen Con, and and then right after I went to one of these conventions here, I was like, okay, I've seen everything I have to see in this convention in in one hour. There is nothing more for me to see here. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, but it's when fun I, because I, I just hang out with the people and, and run games. Yeah. But it's there's really nothing much happening besides that. I went to Gen, Gen Con for my first time like three or four years, uh, probably longer than that. It's probably been four or five years ago, maybe longer. And I remember I went there and I was like, oh, it's really not that big. And then, But then I kept walking around and all of a sudden it's like, I walked really, around for three days and I didn't see everything. I kept looking. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is insane! It's insane. <laughs> insane. You 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 can do something twenty four hours a day if you want. Because even after the, the the convention hours, people go to to the hotel lobbies and bars and just keep playing and drinking and stuff. So no matter what time you can wake up at six a.m., there's probably people gaming somewhere or doing something, and you can play until six a.m. again if you want. Yeah, I wish I had that stamina, but I'm an old man, Diogo. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> I don't have anymore. Sometimes I try and, and, and I read it afterwards because I, I schedule games in the morning too. So I go to the games in the morning like, oh my God, my head. But it's it's fantastic. I mean, I my wife hate it, hates it because I go there and say, oh, call me, call me. But I, I, I can't because I'm always trying to do something, trying to meet people. And I just call, hey, 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 love, it's everything's all right. I love you, but I gotta go. I gotta meet someone else, and and and, and I get really excited at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely it's I, I for me personally, it's just it's too large and too overwhelming. But uh, but I can definitely see it's it's everything's there, everything. Yeah, it, it's my Disney World. I always say this here, like it's it's my Disney World. Gen Con is my Disney. World. Yeah, and I'm also thinking, you know, probably in the U.S. There's a lot of things that are easily and readily available to us at any time. Oh, yeah. But for a few, it's not. So when you're able to yeah. go to that, it's just yeah, yeah. like, you know, yeah. it. So do you do you exactly. so 
Did you buy? Like, I can't. I can't buy board games online. I can't buy board games because if it goes through through mail, I have to pay more than twice the cost of the game to to get it here because of taxes. But if I travel, I have like an exemption uh, uh, value that I, that I can buy stuff. And I don't have to pay the taxes. So when I travel there, like I, I buy board games and and even computers, like. Uh, Stuff here, like I, I use Apple and Macintosh and, and iPad, and stuff here costs like uh, 150% more than in the United States. So it's cheaper for me to, to go to the States, pay the plane ticket, and get back just to get something. <laughs> Let's say I would have thought it would have been cheaper. I would have thought they would have actually lowered the amount. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's like, it's like a. An iPad that it's about a thousand dollars there in the United States. Here it's like two thousand and, and, and two hundred dollars or something. That's incredible. That's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like it's like, Yeah, and it's just even going back to shipping and such. It's just like it's insane. It's just insane yeah. what shipping costs are, you know. Maybe maybe yeah. that is a true cost Some, of sending stuff, but yeah. why my goodness. Some stores do do really a great job. Like Exalted Funeral can send me stuff, like a lot of stuff, really cheap and with tracking. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. Like I, I buy like ten things with them, and the shipping is like eighteen bucks. I don't know how. I don't know either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything just seems like I send internationals twenty eight to, yeah. to thirty dollars. It's just yeah. it's just the that's just for yeah, especially. They oh, would ahead. teach like Goodman Games because I would I, I use it to buy a lot of stuff from Goodman Games, but they revised their shipping rates and now I, I can't buy anything from them. It's like I can't. Yeah, and I don't know what this I don't know. I don't think there's gonna be any solution. I think your only solution is just going to Gen Con and filling up your suitcases. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. And and I and I send stuff from, from some of my friends in the US and they they, they pile up like a big box and just send to me and it's kind of cheaper because it's accumulates like right. a lot of stuff and send it just uh one time yeah that makes sense yeah it's just we're definitely spoiled and you know it's just <laughs> and it's just, you know that's the hard part with the kickstarters is like you know yeah you know it's like you you know in order to print i mean it maybe makes sense to if i could print to brazil but i need to i mean i need to print in brazil but i need to have enough orders to make it worthwhile then i'd also would have to have a third party yeah. deal with it and it's just like same thing with england it's like i could do the same yeah. thing in england but it's like you know i'd have to have sufficient orders to make that justifiable just to break even yeah so well, just maybe talk to guys from exalted funeral and see if you can put your stuff selling there and 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 I will just buy from there because their shipping is just fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, think if I could buy everything, I, I, every every game from Exalted Turner, I would be happy because I, it's just so easy. Yeah, and I think I, that's going to be my next step. I'm I'm planning on doing a few things next year, and um, and maybe that's what I'll do. I right now, I've, I've avoided having sort of physical stock. Um, yeah, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I have to rethink things. It's hard. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, no doubt. Yeah. Having, so, having stock at your home, like boxes and boxes of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now it's like, you know, even with, during the Madlands, once I, once I paid everybody out, um, I have like 30, I think I've got maybe 31 copies that I bought uh, oh, that's from much. everybody. Yeah. And but I basically broke even. <laughs> I mean, once I sell all those physical copies, I'll have money. But in the end, it's just like, okay, it worked out fine. But I mean, you know, I bought some extra copies, and and it's like, okay, it's yeah. Like, it's like, so yeah, yeah. you know, if you, if I you remember, buy- I remember when I started making RPG stuff, and I, a friend of mine said, "Yes, you too can learn." Uh, hundreds of dollars per year in the rpg market yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if the, the way to really make money so i talked to the fellow who uh, were you familiar with the the rpg called uh chew it's based on a comic book property 
I think I heard about it. Yeah. There's a lot of advertising. Well, he was there at Game Hall Con, talked to him. His Kickstarter only did like maybe 60,000. But when I look at the production, wow. And he bought IP. I mean, it's he bought intellectual property from a comic book. Well, uh, not bought, but I mean, he's using other people's IP. Uh-huh. And the, I mean, it's top notch. But what he's looking at is doing a press run and then making his money, you know, afterwards through sales yeah. through stores where he can make significant amount of money. But up front, he's he's breaking even at best, not losing money. Wow, yeah, I, this is probably expensive, right? Yeah, yeah, and it probably depends how you do it. I mean, I wouldn't. Who knows with you know with with this comic? But I mean, if if you make if your Kickstarter makes you know sixty thousand, maybe you know maybe fifteen thousand that's going to shipping. <laughs> yeah, because you know, that's part of the Kickstarter. Then you then you start peeling back what you pay for the comics and you pay for the layout you pay for the art you pay yeah. for you know and then all of a sudden it's like in the end you know for something that's on that level it's i mean it's he's doing it as a full-blown production i mean it's beautiful but you know it's just like but you realize like you said there's not a lot of money to be made it's just it's it's like and yeah. a lot of it's speculation that's what's hard so but anyway yeah, it's hard, but but every little bit like counts. After you add up like a lot of stuff in prints and in being sold, started getting more. You know, I think now I'm I'm earning a decent amount, and and and, and in a few years I hope to start thinking about uh, quitting the day job and and working on that. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, well, is your is your dream of going to uh, Portugal still on a go, yeah, or is it yeah. okay? Yeah. So for now, it's hard because of the pandemic and our our currency here has devalued a lot. <sighs> so the money I thought I had to, to go to Europe now it's worth like half as much as I it, it used it to to be worth, right? So should so you have like been buying other currency at the time? I mean, what's the what's the? Yeah. Well, it's in like. For me to go to, to Portugal, I would have to, to get euros, right? Yeah. I have to get euros. Wait a minute. Papai tá na entrevista. BTV. Tá. And and the euros it's like cost twice as much as they used to cost. So I had I had put uh, money away for maybe ten thousand euros for me to move. And now it's worth like just four thousand or something euros, oh, all the same so money. Good. You know, oh, man. Yeah, that's all. So we we have to wait for for, and 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 all the cuts because of the pandemic, all the cuts in the in the in the salary. I my 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 salary was reduced for twenty five percent or something. So we have we are like in, in economy mode here. So not only do you have the dignity of your currency buying less, but then you also have the further dignity of getting paid less. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I know talking to um, Gabriel, um, I forgot his last name now, but he uh, lives in, um, he lives in, um, I forget, he lives in, uh, not Brazil, he lives in Argentina. And, but he's able to live in a place where he can, He's planning on being able to. I think if he can make decent money U.S. dollar wise, then he can live where he's living fairly comfortably or okay. So it's oh just, yeah, I mean the money I'm making for just it's it's helping us uh, here in Brazil do stuff. You know, uh, in the beginning, I, all the money I I, I earned with RPGs it wasn't that much anyway. I spent with RPGs, but now. I'm starting to earn a little bit more, so I, I can help paying some of the the costs, uh, our living costs, and so especially now that my salary has been reduced, so it really helps. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, and the thing is, it's not like you're a single guy. You, know, you got a wife and, and and at least one child. <laughs> so just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we're I think we're hitting the time space continuum, uh, Diogo. And, yeah, uh, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. Great having uh, you back. It's always and, always great to chat with you and, and and chat about games in general. Yeah, I agree. So you take care, Diogo. You too. Thanks for having me.
Yeah, good luck with your Kickstarter. Um, yeah, thank you. I hope it goes well. And if it goes well, we're probably going to try to do like a screen, a Cosmosaur screen, possibly in like a introduction adventure. And next year, we're going to do like another game with the same team, inspired by some uh, turtles that, that practice uh, martial arts and, and fight crime. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can lose with that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna it's a right reading. It's called Mutant Mutant Animals Against Evil. And 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 and, 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 and you can make a capybara boxer and, and, and have fun with it. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean I think we've I think we're allowed the luxury of being able to, you know, incrementally, you know, improve our craft and 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 develop. So it's seems like you're being able to do you know being able to you know step by step each each step takes you a little bit yeah. further along that road i'm grateful for that yeah I, i've seen my my work like evolving through the years and, and i'm really happy with this yeah exactly so anyway good luck congratulations on everything you're doing a great job diego thank you thank you you take care <laughs>